This is the Action Network Podcast. It's good! It's Welcome to the Action Network podcast. Great to have you joining us for our National League betting preview. We touch on all 15 teams, the East, the Central, and the West, and the best ways to bet the National League in 2022. Brendan Glasheen with Sean Zarillo and Colin Whitchurch. We also have an episode out on the Action Network podcast that covers the American League. So if you're looking for the 15 teams in the American League that you'd like advice on or how to approach the season. We have a full breakdown on that podcast. So be sure to be on the lookout there and take a listen. And as a reminder, we also have a brand new MLB centric action network betting podcast. It's called payoff pitch during the 2022 season. We're going to have you covered every Tuesday and Friday to break down the day and night baseball slates. If you're looking to find it, we have our, launch episode our soft launch episode if you will our first episode it's in the description here on this podcast so you can find it and check it out that's where we will come to you throughout the course of the 2022 major league baseball season here on the tam pod we're getting you set for what to watch for in the national league and we will start in the nl east with the new york mets earlier in the month, Buck Showalter, he he laughed. He was almost uh, brushing off his shoulders when he found out the Mets have the projected number one rotation in Major League Baseball. According to MLB.com, the Mets at 91 and a half wins projected in 2022. The Mets last year were 77 and 85, finishing third in the East. Sean Zarillo, he's an Action Network contributor. Colin Whitchurch, Action Network editor, joining uh, joining me once again. So let's start with the Mets there, Sean. Are you buying the Mets? And they've, they've also got some promise in this lineup, too, if they make strides this season. Are you in on the Mets? What's the projection for the Mets this season? I'm not, and that might surprise some people. I'm a Mets fan. I bet on the Mets futures for the first time last year. Obviously, that didn't work out. Um, I, I'm pretty much in line with the market this year. There's actually a low of 78 as a projection from Davenport, which I don't know how they got to that number. But, uh, I mean, even if you remove that from the sample, that basically lines everything up with where it should be. So Pakoda makes the Mets a slight favorite in the division. They would have them at plus 127 implied. Other projections favor the Braves. Average everything out, it kind of neutralizes. Nothing for me on the Mets. Uh, a Starling Marte, most runs prop at 60 to 1. Maybe worth a poke, but beyond that, nothing for me. All right, so Colin, in the lineup, they they mentioned, you know, Sean mentioned Marte. They've got Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar. Of course, the addition of Scherzer. Um, to the rotation. There's some depth there. Carrasco at the bottom end as well. Your outlook of the Mets, Colin, in 2022. I'm with Zerillo here. There's there's less uh, quantifiable data as to why I'm against the Mets here. It's mostly just because it's the Mets, and the Mets like to screw things up. Um, it's one of the most incompetently run organizations in all of baseball. They have a lot of players with a lot of injury risks. Obviously, DeGrom and Scherzer at the top of that rotation is deadly, if they both stay healthy for the entire season, 
they're going to be really tough to beat. Even their big offseason acquisition, Starling Marte, who I love. I have a lot of fantasy stock in Starling Marte this year, has had some injury issues during his career. Um, I just think the Braves are a better team right now, and I think the Mets are often overvalued entering the season because there's always these high expectations in them. So I'm going under here. I don't I think that the the line is at a number where I don't see a lot of value in betting the over or under, but with if push comes to shove, I like the under here. Um, so that's where I'm going. I feel like I disrespected those Atlanta Braves. They won the World Series last year. Did not lead with them, went with the Mets. I guess we just kind of got the Mets out of the way based on both of your commentary. So that's maybe a good thing. So let's give the Braves their due. Braves are the reigning World Series champions. They beat the Astros last year in the fall classic. They won 88 games to win the National League East, 88 wins, 73 losses. Their projected win total across many sports books, 91 and a half wins. MLB.com has them as the number eight rotation in baseball, led by Max Fried. And then the lineup, even with Freddie Freeman, in L.A. with the Dodgers, they still have high hopes this lineup can deliver. Sean, the, the Atlanta Braves, if you're down on the Mets, are you high on the Braves? I am. I have their win total projected closer to 94. So I was looking at the over 90 and a half, kind of leaning over. My trepidation is the Ronald Acuna Jr. injury. It's much easier for me to project a team like we talked about with Marte for the Mets, right? Where you know he might miss 20 games with an injury during the season. It's much easier for me to trust the win total when a player starting the season healthy, and I know he might get injured later, than it is to expect a player coming back from a significant injury to return by his expected date and then perform to expectations. So I had some trepidation about the Braves over because if Acuna doesn't come back by May when he says if he doesn't perform back to his level where he was last year, maybe they fall short of where the market has them projected. But like I said, I have them at 94 the market consensus projection has them at 91 and a half. There's actually some over 90 and a half out there at Caesars. I thought that was worth a play. There's an over 89 at win by You don't have a choice at that number. That's five wins lower than my projection. It's two and a half wins lower than the market projection. So the over 89 at win bet is absolutely worth a play on the Braves. And then maybe divisional and World Series value too. I'm not playing it personally again because of the Acuna stuff, but you could probably project them as low as plus 130 to win the division as low as plus 900 to win the World Series. Now I could get them as high as plus 1,400 over projection, which wouldn't offer value. But across the board, the Braves might be a little bit overlooked here. It just sort of depends on Acuna's health when he returns. As far as the rotation, Colin, Freed projects to be a bona fide top-end starter. Um, Ian Anderson had a pretty good you – know, he's been off to a good start in his career. Charlie Morton did get hurt in the World Series, but they hope to get him back to sure things up up top. Um, they go out and get Matt Olson, so they make up for the Freeman loss and trade for Olson from the Oakland A's. Your thoughts on the Braves, the reigning champs in 2022? Yeah, the lineup is basically what we saw in 2021 with with few differences. Um, obviously, they they remade their entire outfield at the deadline last year. That's one of the reasons they won the World Series. Jorge Soler's not back, the World Series MVP. But the lineup is is still solid. You mentioned Olsen for Freeman. That's a negligible change from a production, from a pure number standpoint. What I really like about the rotation against the Mets is, is its depth. The Braves don't have the front end that the Mets have in DeGrom and Scherzer. Freed is a very good starting pitcher. Ian Anderson is young and taking a leap. Charlie Morton, if he comes back full health, which is far from a guarantee at 38 years old, 
but they've got guys down the line. Wasker, you know, is a good back end starter. Kyle Wright showed some competence toward the end of last season. I like Tucker Davidson. We're going to see more Kyle Mueller this year. Um, probably their top pitching prospect. I just think this team is better equipped to deal with the grind of 162 games and the injuries that come with it than any other team in the division. I do think that, as you both mentioned, they're being overlooked, which is crazy for a defending World Series champion. I'm going to go over on their win total, and yeah, I'll definitely be dabbling in some of their future odds as well. Yeah, it feels as if, like, you know, folks forget, like, Olsen production-wise can do just enough to replace Freeman, but Freeman's such, you know, the contract. He's in L.A. now, which is that it feels like a... And you're, you're a reigning champion. He was the face of the lineup. It just that, that feels like a very public reaction to why folks might be down on the Braves, losing their anchor in the lineup. That brings us now to the Philadelphia Phillies. They are projected at 86 and a half wins on many books. The Phillies in 2021, 82 and 80. They finished six and a half back of those Atlanta Braves, so just over 500. So the Phillies are expected to take a little bit of a leap Based on how they finished last year, Pakoda's got them at 86.3 projected wins for the season. Sean, what do you make of the Phillies? This is a team that could potentially be in the wild card conversation, or, you know, where, where do you stand in the Phillies for 2022? Yeah, if the Phillies make October, they're going to be dangerous, you know, especially getting that, that guaranteed three game playoff series where you're going to have Noah and Wheeler starting two of those games. And I think Ranger Suarez is pretty good too. So, the Phillies, regardless of how you feel about the Phillies, just look at the public projections. Fangraphs, Pakoda, they put them between 2,000 and 2,800 to win the World Series. There's a 3,300 out there at points bet. I think that's worth betting. The Phillies are probably the best World Series long shot bet in that like 25 to 50 to 1 range right now. They just have a lot of upside and they seem to have the pieces where if they get to the playoffs, they're going to be dangerous. They can hit. And there's going to be moments where if all of the guys in that lineup are going, they're going to be very difficult to outslug. They have clear top-end pitchers. The bullpen is just the big concern. But I make their divisional odds closer to plus 400. You can get a plus 450 at Bet Rivers. And like I said, the World Series odd, probably the best long-shot World Series bet on the board, plus 3,300 points bet. The Phillies rotation cracks MLB.com's top 10, led by Wheeler, Nola, Suarez, Gibson, and Eflin. That's their projected five for the season. Colin, Philadelphia Phillies, 86 and a half wins. Their projected total. How are you assessing the Phillies? God, we were off to such a good start there with Zerillo and I agreeing on the first two teams. I am down on the Phillies. I understand why people would be optimistic about that. They brought in Castellanos. They brought in Schwarber. That's a whole lot of thump with a short porch there in Philadelphia. They're going to have a really fun offense with Nola and Wheeler fronting the rotation. But there's a lot of questions around those guys. I don't believe in this rotation behind Nola and Wheeler. Gibson was all smoke and mirrors for the Rangers last year before going to Philadelphia. You're relying a lot on Ranger Suarez duplicating what he did last year, and I don't know if that's going to happen. Eflin has serious injury question marks throughout his career. And defensively, I think this team's going to be pretty bad. I know Schwarber's projected at DH right now. They're going to have to balance defense for offense here, where you might see some Bryce Harper in center field because they're relying on Matt Veerling to man center field right now. And if you throw him on the bench, that means Harper's moving to center and Schwarber's moving to the outfield. And who's catching the ball out there in that case? So I 
defense is one of the toughest things to quantify when you're making a projection about a team preseason, but I think the Phillies are going to have a bad defense. And last year they had the worst bullpen in baseball and they didn't do a lot to improve it. Corey Knable was their great band-aid with his long, lengthy career injury history, Jerry's Familia, Brad Hand. These are all names that people know, but they're just not pitchers who are very good anymore. So I'm down on the Phillies. I think that their playoff drought continues. I'm projecting them to be right around a 500 team again. So I'm going under on their win total. Yeah, it feels like you know after your both what, both of what you said about the about the the Braves and having a, a pretty good year after winning the World Series and like being down on the Mets, even the Phillies, like feels the public though is very is very high on this division. Like seeing three teams to, to finish maybe above eighty six wins. Um, Phillies also cracked the top ten according to MLB.com in lineups uh, for twenty twenty two number seven lineup in baseball. Moving on, let's head to Miami Marlins. 76 and a half wins their projected win total. Marlins won 67 games last year, 67 to 95, finishing fourth in the National League East. I think this is a team we talked about on Payoff Pitch, our new MLB betting podcast that you can find um, on the Action Network. So be sure to check it out. Sean Zarillo, you are into, I think the Marlins was one of the, they were one of the first teams you decided to bet on for this season. Absolutely. Yeah, I really like this over on the Miami Marlins. They were a popular over team last year. And they fell shy of expectations, underachieved by five wins. They made the playoffs back in 2020. That expanded playoff in the short season, but they had overachieved that season. So had some good luck, made the playoffs, had some bad luck, fell under their win total. Now, all projections this year like the Marlins to finish with at least 75 wins. Market average, 77.2. So about two and a half wins over expectation. High of 80.4 from Zips. And I have them at... I believe 79.9. So I'm I'm right under 500. I'm not even the highest projection out there. I'd bet this over to 76 and a half. I just think the Marlins are a team that project to move forward in the next few years. They have a lot of high upside pitching. They've started to spend money acquiring Jorge Soler, other guys to add to their lineup. So I think the Marlins are finally looking to improve and move up in the world. And even though you said it's a tough division, I still like them to finish over 75 and a half wins here. The rotation, Colin, has some promise as well. Some young stars that could potentially emerge. You with Sean on this one with the 2022 Marlins? Thankfully, yes, I am. The Marlins have some of the the most fun young talent in baseball, and we're finally starting to see them show through. I love that rotation. I love Sandy Alcantara. I love Pablo Lopez and... Um, Trevor Rogers is one of the most underrated pitchers out there after his debut last year. And they have more coming. They have Edward Cabrera. We saw some of last year. We could even see Max Meyer this year, their first round pick in 2020. He's not even on the 40 man right now, but the Marlins are aggressive in promoting prospects when they're ready. They don't usually screw around with service time, which is kind of surprising for a team as cheap as the Marlins have historically been. So I, I think this team has a legitimate chance at finishing in third place in this division. You saw how down I am on the Phillies. I think this team's going to take a leap. They have a lot of competence in their starting lineup and their pitching staff is, it it doesn't have the high end talent of Philly or the Mets, but it has depth and it has like either of those teams would take Jesus Luzardo as its number five starting pitcher. And that's where he is in Miami right now. So I I'm very high on the fish. Shout out to Tanner McGrath, who will be very happy to hear both me and Sean say that. Trevor Rogers, your 2021 Rookie of the Year runner-up to Jonathan India. So there is promise in that Marlins rotation. 
To finish up the NL East, the Washington Nationals. They've got some additions, questions too, but additions in their lineup. Of course, Soto stage, you're bringing Nelson Cruz, Josh Bell. Um, that's a fun-looking top of the order. The projected win total for the Nationals in 2022, 69 and a half wins. Pocota's got him at 70 and a half. The Nationals in 2021 finished 65 and 97. Do we expect improvements this year, Sean Zarello, from the Washington Nationals? I'm right about in line with the market, so I still think they're going to be around a 71 team. I have them at 69.2. The market projection market has them closer to 72, so no value here for me from any perspective. Um, one long shot future may be worth considering. I bet on Vlad Guerrero Jr. last year to win the home run title at 50 to 1. He had never come close to that type of fly ball or home run performance that he put up last year. It's worth betting on superstar players to hit levels that they've never hit before. Juan Soto sitting in that 50 to one range for most home runs this year. I mean, a speculative play on maybe the best player in baseball to lead the league in home runs at some point. 50 to one is not a bad number for him to make a complete level jump. How about you, Colin? Thoughts on the Nationals in 2022? Zerillo, I remember us talking before the start of last season and, and our consensus that we drew on Soto was basically let's bet on him to win MVP until he does because he's going to very soon. And that's the way I feel, although his number for MVP has, you know, he's, he's going to be priced as one of the favorites. So that yeah. makes it a lot, a lot more difficult, but it would be nice to see him, him play for a competent team. And I think the Nationals do have a competent team. I should say play for competent team again. He obviously has a World Series ring already at the age of 23. The Nationals do have some competence, though. They made a lot of headlines last season by kind of tearing apart that World Series core, trading Trey Turner, trading Max Scherzer. But they did some nice kind of under-the-radar things this offseason, bringing in guys like Nelson Cruz and Josh Bell. Cesar Hernandez is a a competent major leaguer, which a lot of teams projected to finish in last place don't have. I love Josiah Gray and I love Kiebert Ruiz, two of the young studs they got in recent trades. And I just think this team has some promise, not, not like playoff promise, but beat your win total promise. And that's not even mentioning Steven Strasburg, who's projected back probably in May, obviously dealt with a ton of injuries the last couple of years, but if they even get 70, 80%, of what Strasburg was pre-injury, that's going to provide them a big boost. So I like their over. It's a small play on over, but I could see them winning in the low 70s for sure. Before we move to the NL Central, let's get your favorite bets from this division, the NL East, Sean. Yeah, I'd say top to bottom. This is probably like the most competitive division where all five teams are, are pretty pretty decent with some elite teams mixed in there too. Uh, so it's, it's difficult to say to take the Marlins over 75 and a half, but that is my favorite bet. Here, I just, I don't see a greater upside projection for any other team relative to their total. That 79 and a half number or 79.9 number that I have is 4.4 wins over their listed total. That's the largest gap I show for any team relative to their listed total to and over. So the Marlins over 75 and a half at Caesars is my best bet for the NL East. Colin? I'm going to go with my Phillies under. I think that their defense, their depth, their bullpen are going to be too much to overcome. And what Sean, as Sean mentioned, is going to be probably the most competitive division in baseball. I think that they finish right around 580 to 82 wins. So I really like their under. Very good folks. Again, you're tuning into our action network podcast, the action network podcast, the national league betting preview, Brendan Glasheen with Sean Zarillo and Colin Whitchurch of the action network. We also have our American league betting preview available 
on the tan pod we touched on all 15 teams the best ways to bet the american league be sure to check that out and also we want to remind you we have a brand new major league baseball action network betting podcast it's titled payoff pitch and you can find the link to payoff pitch in the description of this podcast so you don't really have to do much work to find it. We, we do the work for you, but we do have our first episode out now. But that is a podcast that we want to remind you, we will be coming to you every Tuesday and Friday during the Major League Baseball season to break down that day and night's slate. So we look forward to being with you throughout the course of the season during Major League Baseball 2022. We go to the NL Central. The Milwaukee Brewers are your projected winner of this division. 89 and a half wins at minus 170. Uh, that's according to FanDuel as of right now. But this is a team going into 2022. And just to give you a sense of where they were last year, the Brewers won 95 games. They won the Central 95 and 67. The Brewers, so the Brewers have a great rotation too. Um, and that feels, Sean, what's going to carry them once again in 2022. They have the number two projected rotation by MLB.com for this season. Yeah, these guys are horses, and if they get to the postseason, they're going to be a problem. So the Brewers are absolutely a dangerous team, and I think they offer value both from a divisional and a World Series perspective. Now, let's forget my projection for a second because Fangrass and Bakota are more optimistic on the Brewers than I am, and this was the case last year too. You said the Brewers won 95 games. Well, they were plus 350, plus 400 coming into the season last year. Across the board, the projection market made them divisional favorites and said they were about a 50-50 shot to win it. I think as low as like 40%, but pretty much everybody had them as the favorite. This year, Zips has them at 72%. Pakoda has them all the way up at 88%. So they think they should be like minus 700 to win the division. And then it's a one-team race. I see a smaller gap between the Cardinals and the Brewers. I make about a four-win differential between the two teams. But I'd still make the Brewers 65% to win this division, about minus 185. So there's minus 150s on, on the Brewers out there. at Caesars to win the NL Central. We gave them out at minus 125 last week, minus 130 earlier in this week. I think minus 150 is still okay, but that's that's my stopping point because you're still getting about a 5% edge there, but I wouldn't go past it. In the World Series market, this team should probably be closer to plus 1,400 than plus 1,600 to win the World Series. There's a 16 to 1 out there at Caesars, so that minus 150, and that's 16 to 1 both at Caesars. If the Brewers make the playoffs and, and win the division, they're probably going to be in that second spot in the NL, getting that by and avoiding the Dodgers in that half of the NL bracket. So everything basically sets up for the Brewers to potentially get to the NLCS and not have to face the Dodgers potentially when they get there. So I like the Brewers from a divisional perspective, and I love them from a World Series perspective as well. If they're going to run away with that division, it should be a pretty solid value as you head into playoff time. Knock on wood, it's a rotation that has not had injury concerns in the past. And you look at last season, the Milwaukee Brewers, every single member of their starting rotation had a 32% better increase in ERA plus than any other team, uh, any other team in the league, in the National League. And that, that look, the as we talked about in the NL East with the Mets, you've got DeGrom, Scherzer, so those two names just pop at you. But as we've talked about, uh, I, I think it's fair to say the Milwaukee Brewers historically have just been a more well-run organization than the New York Mets. Colin, that brings us to you. The Brewers, uh, where do you sit on this team? I agree with everything Sean said. The Brewers are my favorite divisional bet. They're my favorite World Series bet in the National League. 
I think that one of the interesting things about the Brewers entering this year is that they won their division last year despite having just absolutely putrid offense. I think a lot of that's going to rebound this year just by pure averaging out luck. You know, their last couple playoff appearances, they won because they were carried on the back of Christian Yelich. Last year, they made the playoffs basically in spite of Christian Yelich, who struggled for a large portion of the season. The only offensive player who really surpassed expectations last year was Willie Adamas, who came over in a midseason trade. So I think we see a lot of increased offensive production out of the Brewers this year, even if there are some question marks. Their third base is kind of unsettled. What are they going to do about Keston Hira, who still hasn't lived up to his prospect promise? And the rotation you mentioned you you said something about them being the number two ranked rotation i'm struggling to think of who who should be ahead of them well it's the mets <laughs> that's that's that, the, the mets mlb.com yeah. has the mets yeah and and i understand that because they have the right. grom and scherzer but top to bottom i mean freddie peralta is a ton better than the mets third starter adrian hauser and eric lauer are both show a lot of promise and they have depth behind them we might see some ethan small this year it's kind of funny the brewers tore down their farm when trying to build a contender over the last half decade or so in trades for guys like Lorenzo Kane and their farm system still ranks pretty low overall, but they've got some guys on the cusp who can still help them win now guys like Ethan small guys like Bryce Turang who might help them in the infield um, depending on what Colton Wong, Jace Peterson, Keston Hira, those types do. And I'm really down on the rest of this division, as you'll hear. I think the Brewers have this division clinched by the start of September. So this is my my strongest division future, and I really love their World Series odds. Wow. Okay, very good, because the next team we're going to discuss, the St. Louis Cardinals, they made a little bit of noise at the end of the season. They were hanging around in the wild card discussion in the National League as the year wound down. In 2021, the Cardinals, they won 90 games. They went 90 and 72. They, The Cardinals were a playoff team. They were a wild card team last year. Um, going into this season, uh, they do have some promise in the rotation. They finished 11th in ERA last year. They added Steven Matz, and you've got, always got to be concerned about Jack Flaherty and his injury status. The shoulder uh, is always a concern with him. But we look at their projected win total across many books, 84.5 wins for the Cardinals. Pakoda's got him at 79.1, Sean. So your thoughts on the, the Cardinals? As right now, that, that means they project as the next best team behind the Brewers in that division. My thoughts are that I hate the Cardinals because they went 22 and seven in September last year and ruined basically a win total under for everybody at the action network. I I don't know if there was a single person on action network slack who didn't have a Cardinals under. So that was, that was absolutely horrendous. Does that include Uh, both of you? No, no, I, I, I raised my hand. I was the, I was the, I was the center there. I was on the Cardinals win total over. And by August I was, I was already checking that one off as a loss. And so they won it for me, and and so I, I was the great dissenter there. Okay, okay so yeah, thoughts. Colin was the one on the other side under, of that uh, that horrific beat. Um, yeah, coming into coming into twenty twenty two, the market is very low on St. Louis again. They were low on them last year, which is why I ended up betting that under. Now my projection much more closely aligned with the market. I had them at eighty five point seven. They're the number one defensive team in my model. We talked on the AL pod. I don't know how much defensive performance is going to impact these win totals this year. It's had much more of an impact in the past on end of season outcomes. 
but without shifting, removing some of those things, playing spot defense. Yeah. The Cardinals are probably still the best defensive team, like player for player, just playing your traditional defensive spot. So I think they'll be fine. And that should boost their overall outcome at the end of the season. But looking at the rest of the projection market, they're under on this team by like seven wins. There's a low of 74 from Davenport. You mentioned Brendan, the 79.1 from Bakota. Nobody likes this team anywhere near their total. So even though I'm basically in line 85 and a half with the listed total, I'm going to trust those market projections and go under 85 and a half Caesars points bet. There's actually an 86 at win bet. That's probably your best number out there right now. Okay, Colin, do your victory lap. The 22 and seven finish got you to the over, but like you teased, you're, you're still down after the Brewers. You're not as high on the rest of this division. And we're yes, talking Cardinals I, here. I thank the Cardinals for their service. I thank them for the money they won me last year, but I am very down on this team this year. I love their under. You look at their starting lineup. You look at their rotation, their first baseman, their third baseman, their catcher, their DH, and their starting pitchers one through three are all 31 years old or older. And that's not even counting Albert Pujols, who they just brought back at the age of 42. This is an old team, and I think that the Cardinals quasi-NL Central dynasty, whatever you want to call it, their their dominance from the last decade plus, I, I think that it's over. I know that it technically has – they haven't won the division every single year, but I just think their time as a contender is over. I know that everyone loves the Molina-Wainwright connection. It can't last forever. This is a about 40-year-old catcher. That's almost unheard of. And Wainwright was phenomenal last year, but there was some good luck that went into that as well. I just I think that if anything carries them this year, like it did last year, it's their defense, but there's too many question marks and too many holes on this roster. I'm going under their win total. Even in a bad division, that's the, that's the only thing that kind of gives me pause. It's like, is any team going to surpass them as for second place in this division? I don't really see it. But like I mentioned, I think the Brewers are going to run away with this anyway. So there's, there's a world where the Brewers are the only team in this division that even finishes above 500. You just reminded me, talking about that, that yes, there is a universal DH now. So that is something to consider here when we discuss uh, win totals. If, if that's even a factor, but more so just as the general consumer, if Yes, a universal DH. So there is a DH now in the National League. So when you're looking at you know, run total projections and things of that nature during the season, that is not for the year, but during you know regular season games, head to head National League teams, that's something to think about. Let's go to the Cubs. Uh, they're next on our uh, on our list here. NL Central. Uh, we're going through the whole National League on the National League betting preview here on the Action Network podcast. Cubs at 74 and a half wins as their projected total. Last year, the Cubs in 2021, they were just selling pieces, right? They were just making moves at the deadline. You go here, you go there. We get you, we get you, we get that, we get that. Cubs went 71 and 91 in 2021. Sean Zerillo, is the 74 and a half still too high? Like, what is this team made of in 2022? It is compared to my projection. I had them at 72, but the market projections like the over- if I was just to like, you know, throw all the projections out, if you just ask me who's one team that's going to randomly defy expectations this year, I think it's the Cubs. They're doing some some things that are unquantifiable. Um, lots of stuff with seam shifted wake with their pitchers. and But the, the Seiya Suzuki signing, like the Marcus Stroman signing, that tells me that they want to be competitive again as quickly as possible. 
So I like the prospects that they got in the trades where they reloaded last year. I like the additions that they made this offseason. I know my projection says under. I'm going to forget that. I think uh, if anything, this is an over team. And this is this might be the team that like randomly finishes second in the NL Central. So if we're looking for one team to just randomly finish 500, it's probably the Cubs for me. How about you, Colin? Chicago Cubs, 2022. I do like the Cubs more than the market. The the one guy I really want to talk about, though, is Suzuki, who I think there is insane value in his rookie of the year number, even listed among the favorites. I think there's some books you can find him around the plus 400 to plus 500 range. It's his award to lose more than O'Neill Cruz, who's going to start in AAA for the Pirates. This is a 27-year-old who has a long track record of success in Japan. He's going to have every opportunity to crush balls onto Waveland Avenue there in Chicago. Um, his Pakoda projections, his 50th percentile outcome Pakoda projections have him like among the top 25 or 30 most valuable position players in baseball. I think it's 3.7 wins above replacement. So they're very high on him. And what makes him different from a lot of quote unquote rookies. And I use quotation marks there because he's 27 and has a long and successful professional career is that he has a, he has a superb eye. They project him for fewer than 100 strikeouts, higher than 70 walks. So Suzuki's rookie of the year future is is where I'm focusing with the Cubs. I know we're mostly talking win totals. The one other thing I'll say about that rotation, while I do like Marcus Stroman and I like a lot of the veteran additions they made, their starting rotation is filled with soft tossers who throw strikes. Overs at Wrigley Field in May, June, July, those afternoon games with the wind blowing out, they're going to be giving up a ton of long balls. So that makes me kind of worrisome about the Cubs' win total because their rotation has, it has a lot of name recognition, but these dudes are going to be giving up bombs. So I do I, I like the over on the win total. I do think that there's a chance that they could finish in second place, but but Suzuki, rookie of the year, that's where my money's going. Just pulled up a handful of books and I'm seeing plus 380 on DraftKings to get Suzuki to win NL rookie of the year. So we'll see if he can bring the Cubs back to their great former places where they once were a few years ago. Up next in the NL Central, the Cincinnati Reds, 73 and a half wins. Their projected win total, the Reds last year won 83 games. They went 83 and 79. Let's see, Pakoda's got them at 79.4, which would actually finish just above St. Louis based on Pakoda's rankings for 2022. Sean, any thoughts on the Reds here? This is probably the most difficult team to project this season. I like the under. I have them at 72. 2.6 wins below the listed total. The market loves the over. They're five wins over the listed total. You mentioned that Pakoda projection. That's basically the average of the three market projections. But there's an 84 out there at Davenport. So I can't touch this total. It's just kind of too all over the place with the projections. They should be a team that continues to sell off pieces. But we've, we've talked about the other teams in this division. Like somebody has to win games, right? And under 74 and a half, 75 and a half is a decently low total. So if they end up selling off pieces and still surpassing that number with the pieces they have, I, I wouldn't be completely shocked. It's it's just a pass for me. How about you, Colin? Yeah, they're they're really impossible to predict. Not not even necessarily in performance, but just in what the front office is going to do. I feel like every six months they flip flop between wanting to contend and wanting to save money. I do like a lot of a lot of what they have here. I think Tyler Stevenson's due for a huge breakout. 
behind the plate and being able to play a little bit of first base. The back of the rotation has Hunter Green, who's a rookie of the year candidate, and Nick Lodolo, uh, another top prospect. But top to bottom, I think that there's a ton of holes there, relying on guys like Kyle Farmer at shortstop, Colin Moran, um, Tyler Naquin. I like the under here, but it's a it's a small play. Um, I, I don't feel good about it, but I think that this is pretty pretty strongly the fourth best team in the division, which is saying something, I guess, considering where Pakota has them. Because next up, Pittsburgh Pirates. 64 and a half wins. We'll get to Colin's thoughts in just a second. Pittsburgh in 2021, 61 and 101. So like the Orioles, based on our AL pod that you can find on the Action Network podcast, we're like, wait a minute, that's a pretty significant bump uh, considering where they were last year. So this isn't as significant, just three more wins, three or four more wins for the Pirates at 64 and a half wins. Sean, any strong thoughts on maybe an under here on the Pirates? No, I'm actually going to go the other way. You know, we talked about maybe teams in this division struggling to find wins, and I think the Pirates could pick up some of those spare pieces. So this was a very, very, very sweaty overbet for a number of Action Network personnel last year. I know BJ Cunningham was on it as well. We're sweating this one out all the way until September. They had some double headers in there that they had to make up, some comfort behind wins. It was it was not a fun overbet to sweat, but I do have them projected closer to 66 this year. They have some pieces that I really like, like Brian Reynolds and Cabrian Hayes. Colin talked about some prospects that they might bring up. So it's not an uber-confident play on this over, but every single projection likes them to exceed their listed total. There's actually an over 62.5 that's juiced up at Bet Rivers. That would be my favorite number to play because that's just so much further shy of the projections in my own projection. So the Pirates over 62.5, juiced up to about minus 125 at Bet Rivers. It's my favorite play for Pittsburgh, but not, not a huge bet. All right, Colin, give it to us. Yeah, it's a small over here for me as well. I love Cabrian Hayes. I love O'Neill Cruz. I'm pissed that the Pirates aren't putting Cruz on their opening day roster, but we should see him soon enough. Their starting pitching is atrocious, I, although I do love JT Brubaker quite a bit. It'll be nice if and when we see the likes of Rowanzi, Contreras, Miguel Yahuri uh, join that rotation because – Listen, you're not you're not going to hear me say a bad word about Jose Quintana after how much he did for my White Sox once upon a time. But behind him, Mitch Keller has has never gotten it done. Bryce Wilson, a former Brave, Zach Thompson. There's there's a lot of really bad pitching here, but some competent offense, and I think that they have enough to kind of to go over their win total and kind of make people go, hmm, Pirates might have something going into 2023, but 2022, it's not going to happen. And then they won't have anything going for 2020. Yes. Yeah. As far as favorite bet from this division, start with you, Sean. Colin can weigh in after I ask, but I feel like both of you, based on your confidence level, you might be going to the Brewers. Yeah, I'm definitely on the Brewers. I said minus 150 at Caesars is that would be my cutoff price. We got minus 125. We got minus 130. Don't go past minus 150. I just don't know how big the edge is after that. But their World Series odds plus 1600 at Caesars worth playing as well. If they win that division, probably going to get the two seed in the NL. And from there, just need some luck. Yeah, and we're talking buys this year too. Top two teams in each uh, league getting a buy. So that's 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 important to note. Uh, Colin, yourself? Yeah, absolutely, Brewers. I'll also mention the Cardinals under here. Uh, that's how strongly I feel about that. Brewers division, Brewers win total, Cardinals win total under. Those combination of those are all, all they're all aligned and they're all among my favorite bets. 
Yeah, and as that as that price on the Brewers divisional price continues to increase, that only makes the the Cardinals under a better play because those those bets are equally correlated, right? I mean, more or less. So at some point, you know, once once you get past that minus one fifty on the Brewers, just pivot to the Cardinals under. Good point. Good point. And right now, I'm seeing. I just I've got DraftKings pulled up here on the uh, projected win totals. Looking for where are they? Oh, you try to pull this stuff up as you talk. Oh, there you are. Yeah, still at eighty four and a half at minus one ten. Uh, yeah, and there's an, there's actually an eighty six out there win bet. So that's that's certainly a, a number worth buying. Very good. Okay, we're gonna make the turn for home here. We're gonna go to the NL West again. You're locked into the Action Network podcast National League betting preview. Brendan Glasheen, Sean Zarillo, Colin Whitchurch. We do have an episode out on the Action Network podcast that covers the American League, all 15 teams, all five teams in each division. We go division by division and give you the best ways to bet the league. We're doing that now in the National League. I want to remind you, if you are enjoying what you're hearing in terms of our breakdown for the 2022 Major League Baseball season, we have a brand new Major League Baseball-centric Action Network betting podcast out there now, Payoff Pitch. You can find the link to our first episode in the description of this podcast. Payoff pitch during the 2022 season. Payoff pitch will cover every Tuesday and Friday baseball slate during the baseball season. So it's more of your you know, daily look at spreads, run totals, um, all that good stuff. And we'll get you ready uh, during the season with that uh, one, the payoff pitch pod um, every Tuesday and Friday during the course of the season. Here on the TAM pod, we are making the turn for home. We head to the National League West, and there they are again, those L.A. Dodgers. 98 and a half wins. This team last year, I mean, what, what are we doing here? 98 and a half wins for the Dodgers? That's got to finish well over, I would like to think. They've got a loaded lineup again this year. It's even better than last year, and uh, their rotation is pretty darn good. That's Shirt up. Sean Zarillo, what is I guess this is a loaded one because it's the Dodgers and there's a lot that can be discussed about this team. That's how good they are. But what's the best way to go about betting slash looking at this team this year? Yeah, you mentioned that total of 98 and a half. It actually opened 96 and a half. And I'm, I'm mad at myself that I didn't take the over at that point because it was a pretty obvious play that it would at least go up and you could try to find a middle later, right? Like who wasn't going to bet the over at that number? I have them projected at 100 wins. I think I had them at 105 last year. So a slight downgrade relative to the team that they had coming into last season, but still the best team in baseball this year. And I'm not even the high man, but Coda has them at 102. So the over maybe a lean. Overall, I think the competitiveness that San Diego and San Francisco displayed last season is actually providing value on the Dodgers divisional prices this season. Maybe their World Series price as well, but looking outside of my projections... 72 to 84%, either Zips or Pakoda to win the division. So they should be at least minus 260 to win the West. You can find them as low as minus 200 at Bet Rivers. I actually show a larger discrepancy between the Dodgers and the second place team than either of those projections do. So personally, I'd probably make this line closer to minus 350, minus 400. I think there's tremendous value on the Dodgers to win the West here. Wouldn't bet it past probably minus 233, which is 70% implied. So we're going to leave about a 5 to 10% expectation in terms of our edge, whether I want to put it at 75 or 80% on the, on the Dodgers. But overall, yeah, I think their World Series odds are probably like a fair number at 5 to 1. I just don't bet anything below 10 to 1 at this time of year. But the Dodgers, to me, like the Brewers, are an undervalued divisional favorite. And I really think this might look like a one one-team race by the time we get to September. 
Yeah, if anything, you're hoping as a as a consumer of baseball and you want to bet baseball, maybe they get off to a bad start because there's pressure that they've got such a loaded roster. I, I just find that difficult to do, Colin, because that the lineup, like Cody Bellinger is their seven hitter right now. Betts, Freeman, Turner, Muncie, Smith, Turner, Bellinger, and then Taylor and Pollock are their projected eight, nine hitters, respectively. Oh no, they lost Corey Seager in free agency. Um and then the rotation, I guess maybe this is the department where you have a little concern, like can Walker Bueller be the guy? Can Clayton Kershaw stay healthy? How do you approach Colin Whitchurch? How do you approach the Dodgers in 2022 from a betting standpoint? They're probably the least interesting team to try to bet on <laughs> just because of their their regular dominance. You mentioned the the pitching questions, and that would be the one area where where I would have some question marks, right. but I, I actually am a huge Tony Gonsolin fan. Nice. Ready you know he loves them. cats? Yes, he does. Loves them. This dude loves cats. Very He's like, uh, I, long story short, I interviewed him once, and um, I interviewed him over, over Zoom, and he got into his obsession with, uh, with cats. And he's also a huge Star Wars fan. Yes. He's basically every single dude I've ever met at a bar right here in Austin, Texas. <laughs> nice. So you met him too. Cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just think that the, the divisional prices and the pennant prices and the world series prices are, whether they're good or not is kind of beside the point. They're just not interesting enough to, to take a stab at this stage in the game. Uh, Zerillo kind of mentioned that, although he mentioned there being value on the division, while that may be the case, the the focus here for me is just on the win total. I think that 98 and a half is too low. This team perennially wins 100 games. I don't see a way that they don't win 100 games again, barring some catastrophic injury, not even just catastrophic injury, but a ca- catastrophic string of injuries. Um, we saw last year San Francisco go on this insane run. It's trying to imagine being someone who threw their entire preseason betting budget on a, a Dodgers division last year after they had won like seven straight NL West titles and only to lose to an 108 win Giants team. But I don't see something like that happening this year. Even if the Padres take the leap, everyone expects them to do the Giants remain competent. It's the Dodgers division and the win total over is what I like here. Although none of it is incredibly interesting to me if I'm being totally honest yeah by the way the Dodgers did finish a game back of the Giants last year in the NL West at 106 and 56 let's go to the Giants next Giants went 107 and 55 last year to win the West by one game their projected win total this year at 85 and a half wins Giants another team that maybe this is their edge and we'll get to the Padres too soon after the Giants, but maybe it is the pitching that does keep these teams. And Sean kind of mentioned this, why, uh, you know, folks being high on these other two teams is why there might be a little bit of value in the Dodgers not being such a heavy favorite. They're a heavy favorite, but not as heavy as we think they should be. Sean, what is your, so now I'm curious. So how do you look at the Giants in 2022? And well, I'm curious, but you also said maybe by September, this is no longer a race, but how do you look at the Giants? We'll get to the Padres. As I said, how do you look at the Giants and maybe the best way to bet them? in 2022. I don't know if there is a good way to bet them this year. Now the market projections missed on them dramatically last season. I think it was the biggest miss in the history of Dakota. That's going to happen, right? Like when a team wins a hundred something games and they're projected to finish in the seventies, but I have them right in line with the market this year. I'm at 85.8. I was an over better last year, by the way, just want to point that out. I was one of the few people who was high in the giants coming into the year. The market still trends under for 2022 
The average projection is 81.3, which is close to four wins below the listed total. I would ignore those. I think they're missing something. This Giants organization is expertly run, run by Farhan Zaidi, previously with the Dodgers, previously with the Rays before that. Run about as well as any organization in baseball right now. It seems pretty clear the way that they were able to mold pitchers last year, like Kevin Gaussman, and get the most out of them. So the Giants might be the new factory for post-hype career or career resurgence, the rejuvenation machine they seem to have there. Take these guys who are in their 30s and get them back to their peak levels. So I wouldn't go betting against the Giants, certainly, but I don't know if there's enough value to, to support them anywhere this year. What do you think, Colin? Giants taking a giant step back, huh? Yeah, there, so there was a long time where the teams that you couldn't trust Pakota on were the Royals and Athletics, and then that kind of transitioned into the Rays, and now I'm kind of wondering if it should be the Giants. I think this is the biggest difference between win total projections and Pakota projections with Pakota only having the Giants at 77.7 wins. Detroit might be might be right in range also, but the Giants, Pakota clearly is not a believer in their bounce back. When Pakota goes under on a team, though, by five or more wins than what the market has it set at, Pakota is usually right. Pakota's not usually right generally, like in a general sense, but it's usually right when it's significantly lower than what the over-under is set by the market. So it's really hard to ignore that. And I kind of see why. You mentioned the pitching factories, Rillo, but we're still depending on a lot of, with Kevin Gaussman no longer there, a lot of Logan Webb continuing what he did. Anthony Desclafani, Tony Disco continuing what he did. And then Alex Wood and Alex Cobb at the back. It's very, you know, talking on your collar a little bit. Carlos Rodon obviously has a immense amount of talent. Don't love the idea of the White Sox not even offering him a qualifying offer before he left. But I don't trust Carlos Rodon to stay healthy. And also, the the White Sox are, are, for as much crap as I give my favorite team, they're one of the smartest teams when it comes to knowing how to handle pitchers and handle pitcher injuries. They knew Carlos Rodon's health history better than anyone and didn't give him a qualifying offer. So that makes me nervous for him from a giant standpoint. I stayed away from saying that it scared me because I didn't want to get yelled at again. Uh, but so, so long winded way of saying, I do like the giants under, I'll probably be betting the giants under, but I understand the, the cautiousness here because of what they did last year. MLB.com ranks the giants rotation number six, the season heading into the 2022 campaign. Of course, that lineup, they'll have to account for the losses of Buster Posey and Chris Bryant. They scored the sixth most runs in baseball last year, too. And that's, again, they only finished a game better than the, than the Dodgers. The Padres, this is a team that I'm looking forward to discuss. The Padres, man, they are, they are interesting. Their projected win total in 2022, the San Diego Padres, at 88 and a half wins. The Padres last year, they underperformed. They went 79 and 83 finished third in the division, weren't ever really in it. There was a lot of hype. If you remember last year, like during that phase in 2021 in the spring where you watch that first series or two of the year and they're playing the Dodgers, you're like, oh, this is going to be the the rivalry of the year in baseball um, in terms of like neutral site baseball, at least for yours truly. So I was looking forward to watching that throughout the year. And then it just kind of fizzled out because the Padres weren't all that good. Um, but they make some splashes, right? They make some splashes to, um, to their uh, rotation. And now I'm curious as to how they, they bounce back, Sean, in 2022. Yeah, and, you know, even 
aside from the additions that they actually made, they get guys like Mike Clevenger back, who's two years off injury. So there's a lot of difficulty in projecting this team as well. Blake Snell was horrible at the beginning of last year. And in the second half, he was like Cy Young worthy. So it's hard to know what versions of these players are going to show up almost. The key, and we talked about this with Atlanta, the biggest difficulty I have in projecting a team like this, Tatis coming back off of an injury at the start of the season does he come back when we think he's going to come back? And does he perform up to expectations? Obviously dealt with recurring injuries last year. Doesn't maybe seem like the most durable guy, especially considering the amount of money he got. My projection is at 86, so I'm a touch low on this team. Wouldn't touch the over-under. What I'm most interested in here, and right now, based on Fangrass, Dakota, I think one of them actually showed World Series value on them at 18-1. to 1. I would wait. I'd wait about a month, six weeks. Until Tatis comes back, maybe they trend around 500. Maybe the Giants even get in front of them. And then I'd look for that number to get up closer to 25, 30 to 1 on San Diego, potentially jump in on an in-season World Series play. Makes a lot of sense when you consider, you know, maybe maybe the best player in the National League, Fernando Tatis, when right. That injury definitely, Colin, is a cause for concern for the 2022 Padres. Yeah, Zerillo and I are 100% aligned here. I didn't know what he was going to say there, but my suggestion was going to be to wait about a month, keep an eye on those futures. You know, their their NL pennant odds right now around plus 950 are intriguing considering the level of talent this team has. But I do think we can get a better number if they get off to a slow start without Tatis. I really like this rotation. I'm really high on a U Darvish bounce back. Joe Musgrove kind of is what he is now, which is really good. And like Sean mentioned, Snell was, I was fading the hell out of Blake Snell in the first half last season and eventually got to the point in the second half where I was like, I can't bet against this guy anymore. He looks like what he was during his Cy Young season in Tampa Bay. There are some depth questions here, um, but they've got guys who are ready to step in. They they have prospects who it seems like fans have been waiting on forever. Mackenzie Gore, is he ever going to, you know, he's not even a top 100 prospect anymore. And he was like the number three prospect in all of baseball two years ago. So if he can take a step forward, Ryan Weathers, we saw a little cup of coffee in the majors um, could step in. So there's a lot of question marks in the depth, but guys who could potentially break out. And, and so, yeah, there's a lot of intrigue around this team, but I'm going to wait on their future, not touch their win total. Although I do like the over there a little bit. I'm not going to touch the win total and wait and see what value we can get on their futures market, probably around May 1st. Yeah. Um, what I really like for October 2, not only the rotation, but the bullpen as well. Because if that bullpen stays healthy, that's you're talking about a top five rotation and a top five bullpen together. Yeah, the idea of them transitioning the Nelson Lamette full-time into a reliever, like this dude could be like, Andrew Miller ask for the Padres if he stays healthy and becomes a, an elite shutdown reliever. And he could pinch run on the days where he needs uh, rest too. Yes. The confidence in that win total also feels like they, they, the market believes and the projection reflects faith in their rotation to carry them out of the gate. And then when they get Tatis, he can kind of give that offense a necessary lift. I can't wait. We're going to hear this in July. It's their trade deadline acquisition that they didn't have to make. Uh, Fernando Tatis. You hear that all the time in baseball. At least that's just I just me. have such a concern with wrist injuries. Like that's, that's my major hang up. Wrist injuries tend to sap power. And this guy maybe projects to be the home run leader in all of baseball, you know, in a full season. So that's the worry is, is like how much power does he have when he comes back? Is he a hundred percent? 
We moved to the Colorado Rockies. Colorado last year, 74 and 87. They were a great home team, as we'll talk about throughout the course of the season over on payoff pitch on a nightly, well, not nightly, Tuesdays and Fridays payoff pitch during the season. I mean, we'd be remiss to not talk about run totals if there's a game at Coors Field, because that's just really fun to talk about. How many runs are going to be scored at Coors Field? And Colorado certainly took advantage at home. They went 48 and 33 at home last year. One of the better home teams in baseball. They just couldn't win away from Coors Field because all their hitters just didn't hit the same when they weren't at Coors Field. Um, projected win total across many sports books at 68 and a half for Colorado. Sean Zarillo, um, like, like I said, and, and you can obviously disagree. They're, they're a fun team to talk about when they're at home and they, like they're a during the season team um, when they're at home and they're, they're a fun team to, I think, bet on on a night to night basis. But how do you look at them from a future standpoint? I think Colorado is just an interesting organization in general. They, they did nothing last year. They stripped their entire analytics staff, seemingly had no intention of competing, and they drastically overachieved. And they earned all 74 of their wins, 75 Pythagorean wins. They were over 500 after May. Bizarre, completely bizarre. They were thought to be the worst team in baseball coming into the year last year. And then look at this offseason, electric cover story walk. What are they doing? I don't really know. I don't know if they know what they're doing. But in terms of a projection, I feel like I'm always a little bit low on the Rockies. I have a difficult time. You talked about run scoring at Coors Field. It's difficult to project their pitchers because you use full season projected and their hitters. You use full season projections, which are baking in the home and road splits. And then you try to adjust it for defense and whatnot. And all of a sudden you end up overinflating their run total and downgrading their team. But there is an under 78 win bet. There's some 69 and a half across the market. My projection is 66.3 at that under 69 and a half. I was leaning under at the 78 win bet. I took the under don't necessarily love it. Like I said, I'm typically low on the Rockies, but I think just, you know, slight step forward, slight step back this season. Don't necessarily have much to justify it beyond my number. And the market consensus sort of agrees with the listed total. So, you know, small plan under here, but nothing too crazy. What do you got for us on the Rockies, Colin? I'm still pissed at the Rockies. They were my favorite <laughs> win total bet last year under. And I don't know how the hell this team won 74 games last year. Right. It's, they should be the worst team in baseball. They should be among the worst teams in baseball. So I'm going right back to the well again this year. And I, I do like their under, especially now that we see what the Giants turned into. We know the Dodgers are the Dodgers. We know the Padres should be good. And the Diamondbacks, who we'll get to in a second, should be much improved. So I think this is the basement of the NL West, which is why I like their win total under. I am a big Herman Marquez fan at the top of that rotation, but he's basically all they have from a starting pitching standpoint. I will give you one other uh, kind of fun little flyer bet with the Rockies, and it's Chris Bryant as a home run leader. Um, playing at Coors Field, he's at about 40 to 1 or so. Um, he's uh, going to be probably my favorite long shot player prop future but i'm i am betting they're under this year i have less confidence in it than i did last year but it's i'm going right back to the well okay the cardinals made up for you being upset with the rockies right i mean the, the cardinals got there rockies didn't oh so yeah oh yeah you'll live it all evened out <laughs> finally last team we hit on in the national league the arizona diamondbacks 66 and a half their projected win total across sports books for the 2022 season Last year, they won just 52 games. They're one of those teams that had more than 100 losses, 52 and 110, their record last year. 
Colin has thoughts. We'll get Colin. He thinks they're going to be better. Sean Zarilla, do you? Do you think they'll be better this year? I do. I think they're going to be a lot better. I lost a lot of money on the Diamondbacks last season, so hopefully we can get some of it back this year. They had that record 24-game road losing streak, which I probably bet on them in most of those games. So very depressing game last year. I'm generally a fan of the Snakes. I think they tend to be underrated. I don't know why they're just, maybe it's their like colors and their logo or people just don't think about them as frequently as any other team, but they underachieved last year by nine wins, purely Pythagorean expectation. They were the worst team in MLB regardless, but they had tons of injuries. And you look at their roster for 2022 and it looks like a decent team. It looks like a 75 win team on paper. My projection, pure number standpoint, 68.2. But I'm the low man in the projection market. There's a high of 73 from Dakota, and everybody is between 68 and 73. So everybody sees this win total going over by three and a half games or more. The market sees closer to five wins in value. There's an over 64 and a half, juice to minus 125 at Bet Rivers. I would definitely play that. I'd probably play this up to, say, about 66. Um, it's a hold-your-nose bet. This team sucked last year, but... If everybody's, you know, not if everybody stays healthy, if they have better injury luck than they did last year, they should be able to meet this one total. Colin, how much better do you have the Diamondbacks in 2022? I agree with Zerillo. Um, I also agree with him on just kind of liking this team historically. I, For me, I think it's just, I, I was a second shift worker for so much of my life that I'd come home from work and flip on MLB TV and the Diamondbacks would be on. So they're, they're, they're a team that's easy to root for. They've never really done anything to, to piss you off. Um, but love that handicap. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but man, me and Zarilla lost a ton of money on him last year. I feel like every day we were on them because they were like plus 330 or something, and they'd have a three to one lead in the eighth inning and then lose nine to three. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot to like on this team. I'm I'm a big fan of Dalton Bar show. Uh Cattell Marte, they just signed to an extension. I've always been a big fan of him. We're gonna see some Seth Beer this year, one of my favorite names in baseball. Um, been a prospect for a while. He he actually went from Houston to Arizona in the Zach Greinke trade a few years ago. Um, so we're gonna see beer hit some dingers, which I'm really looking forward to. And Zach Gallon's actually one of my favorite kind of stealth uh Stealth pitchers and in, in all of baseball, you know, from a fantasy perspective, from a, from someone who you can buy into early before the market adjusts. I think we're going to see a lot of really good things from Zach Gallon this year. I think they're better than the Rockies. I could see them winning 70-ish, low 70s amount of games. So I'm definitely going to be having some money on their over. Gallon and beer. That has potential for great headlines. Throughout oh, my God. Season. Commercials, headlines. It's, it's yeah. going to be great. Mm. Hopefully it helps too to make some money some money this year in uh betting the arizona diamondbacks in 2022 that's gonna do it for our national league betting preview here on the action network podcast as a reminder we have the american league betting preview also available on the action network podcast we touched on all 30 teams 15 in the american league 15 in the national league each podcast hits on all 15 teams we go division by division east central west and the best ways to bet each league Thanks so much to Sean Zarillo, Colin Whitchurch as well. They do great work with the Action Network. Be sure to follow them all season long. Baseball getting started very soon. Month of April is right around the corner. Uh, I'm Brendan Glasheen. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. As a reminder, we have a link in the description of this podcast, also over on the American League podcast as well. We have a brand new MLB Action Network betting podcast, Payoff Pitch. During the 2022 season, Payoff Pitch will come to you every Tuesday and Friday to break down 
the baseball slate that given night. So we will have more in-depth conversations on slates as the year unfolds in Major League Baseball. Thanks for tuning into the Action Network podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.